Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Tuesday. Yeah, it's Tuesday. We're starting the week pretty strong. It is September the 26th, and we are going to launch into a discussion of pumpkin spice everything. It's officially fall. Many of you may know this. The first day of fall is September the 23rd. I knew it was in the air. I could feel it. I didn't actually know the day. I had to go look it up, but I felt like it must be fall. The winds have changed. The temperature has changed, and the left is screaming about climate change because weather is a very, very scary thing. I got a buddy, uh, he was in my wedding, and he used to sing this song, which is incredibly obnoxious. It would sit in my head. It would just say, the weather outside is weather. It's the, uh, you know, uh, baby, it's cold outside thing. And he would go, the weather outside is weather. Apparently, you can't do that if you're on the political left. You have to believe that climate change is coming for us all, but also pumpkin spice, everything. Pumpkin spice, all the things... I don't remember when pumpkin spice became a thing. Maybe you guys can put that in the uh, the comments if some people in the chat will tell me. What in the actual world, when did that manifest? Because when I was a kid, I remember fall starting off, it was always like potpourri. There were two places that was uh, on SNL doing the, the Alice Trebek routine. They had potpourri, which was actually Will Ferrell. And then they also had it at like every single store and my mom would buy it. But but man, I don't remember when when pumpkin spice started like seeping its way into all the items. We got a little video here that's going to be uh, something for fun just to get us started off in a good good mood. And then uh, we'll launch into climate change. We're going to launch into Ukrainian war. We're going to launch into the political grift that's going on. The things that scare the political left today, the people that they have named as their enemies. It's not the suspendables, but might as well be people that we can get behind, people who have been favorable. So we're going to launch into all those things. Let's first start off with a thanks. You guys just mentioned, I saw it in the chat. Someone said, Kyle's wearing gray. Yeah, I'm wearing gray. I'm wearing gray because I'm wearing Suspendables gear. This is the-suspendables.com. The-suspendables.com is where you can find our merch store. Uh, you're seeing right there the blue one, the Suspendables collection. That is going to be the hashtag R-U-Suspendable. Or you can check out this guy right here, which I think is a top seller from uh, Garrett. He was telling me it's got the badge up on the front here in the chest. And on the back of it is a stenciled Suspendable, just like I used to wear when I was working out in the military. It is a, a, a military-style PT shirt. It's really lightweight. These fit mm, a little loose. Garrett said they're true to size. I think they're a little loose. This one is a large. I'm kind of like a smarge kind of guy. I like to wear like a little bit smaller large, or I like beef up in a medium. This thing is a little loose, so just let them know. All right, before we get uh, get sideways on shirts and, uh, and attire, let's do pumpkin spice everything. This is a, a comedian. I absolutely love this woman. She's so funny. She did a, a movie with Mark Wahlberg a little while back. And it's worth it. I think it's called Something Confidential. Spencer Confidential, I think. She's the girlfriend. She's got a lot of great uh, self-deprecating humor. So this is Pumpkin Spice Everything. Let's roll video number six, Ryan. We're going to do video number six to get us started with a little bit of pumpkin spice. Get us in the fall mood. You want to run that thing for me? All girls love fall. I don't know if you know that. All girls are required to love fall. Yeah. Required. When, you apply <laughs> when we applied to be girls... Went to the girl counter and they hold your girl card up and they go, what's your favorite season? And you go, it's fall, motherfucker. And they're like, all right. Here's your girl card, here's your Uggs, here's your glitter. Go have fun, be insecure. So being <laughs> Girls love fall so much. I've been planning this fall since July. 
of like, of like two years ago. We fucking get into fall. You don't even have to tell girls when it's fall. We know. Oh, we sense it. All right, we get into it. The second it turns fall, the second a leaf falls somewhere in like Connecticut, we feel it. Sitting at home watching TV, outside the temperature drops from like 86 to 63, we pop out of the ground like gophers. We sense that fall is here. Watching TV, fall comes, we're just like. Did you feel that? I did, it was a breeze. Yeah, cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, pumpkin, everything. Pumpkin. Eat the pumpkins. Let's plan fall You over your boyfriend, you drag your boyfriend by the teeth. Let's go, we're doing fall going apple picking. Babe, there's no apple orchards in Los Angeles. Fine, I'm going to the grocery store. I'm going to throw apples at children. Something. <laughs> we go on Pinterest. We start pinning fall ideas. Leaves, that's a fun thing we like to fuck with. Every year the leaves change color and we lose our <laughs> Every Did you see the leaves? Oh my God. Last week they were green and now they're brown. They're not brown. They're dead, you sicko. They're dead and you're doing crap right. with their corpses you have you no respect for nature that no respect for nature all right let's monster. kill it right there ryan there's no respect for nature they have no respect for nature on the political left we're going to get into pumpkin everything we're going to get into the uh, climate emergency that continues to plague our society as the weather changes every time the weather changes all four seasons are an opportunity for the political left to lose their ever-loving mind and they will do so. But first, we're going to talk Ukrainian war. Bring up topic number one for me. I saw this today. This was uh, something I, I picked up off social media. This is called the Institute for the Study of War. Some of you uh, may know them if you hang out in Washington, D.C., and you've surrendered your soul to the political left. This is a pretty interesting little organization. They study war. That's what they do. I've been there. I've been to the Institute for the Study of War. We actually had somebody we were recruiting as a source there. And... This is an article uh, that is pro-Ukraine, as you can imagine, because, you know, you can't make any money in D.C. if you're not advocating on behalf of billions of American taxpayer dollars going into weird places. So this is an article that is written, or it's a, a position paper, I guess, that is written by a woman named Natalia. Oh, my God, I'm going to butcher this one. Bugovia. She sounds like like she's she might have been in the John Wick movies, but she's not. She is a, uh, a very pretty lady who is the non-fellow Russian. Hold on, let me get this right. The non-resident Russian fellow. Okay, I had some of the right words, but the wrong order. She is the non-resident Russian fellow at the Institute for the Study of War, and she focuses on Kremlin policies and decision-making. And what does she say? She says, it's time for the West to embrace Ukraine's way of war. No, not doubt it. Okay, so we have to embrace it. We cannot doubt Ukraine. We must trust in the system. We must know that they're doing the right thing over there, even though they're taking billions of dollars. We're going to get into why that might be just a little bit off in a second. She says the Ukrainian forces have adapted. Ryan's actually looking for one of the propaganda minister's uh, videos, this transgender dude that uh, gets up and uses weird figurative languages. This woman might as well be doing the same thing. She's doing it in a position paper. Ukraine's military decision-making is sound. Is it though? Is it? Is it sound the way they're using our money and they're losing? That seems weird. Now is not the time for Western doubt, but for the West to embrace Ukraine's way of war and commit to sustaining Ukraine's initiative on the battlefield. It might as well be read in a breathless way because this is how these things are written. Talking about the counteroffensive, which apparently did, I don't know, nothing because the Russians still can't be defeated. Anybody who thinks that you're going to war with Russia and winning in a war of attrition doesn't understand Russian tactics. We talked about this the other day. You know, uh, World War II is always the great example 
Yeah, in addition to the fact that we have Ukrainians now being celebrated, even the ones that, that cooperated with the Nazis in um, in Canada, it's bizarre to think that people don't understand that the Russian meat grinder is one of the most inefficient and doesn't care sort of war machines that's ever existed. It just doesn't matter. They don't care about it at all. They will throw tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people into it, and World War II being the example, 20 million casualties. When the West, on the on the political West side, you had the United States losing 500,000 troops, which is unbelievable. That is an incredible number of people. To do 40X, that is is insane. It's absolutely insane. And nobody gets them the credit that they did. They they kept, you know, half of the world on the, uh, on the European side when they divided it up. It's bizarre. But this is the thing. She says, uh, the Ukrainian forces have done what successful militaries do. They have adapted, and now they're advancing. Yeah, and also dying at a tremendous rate. So who is this lady? Because she, you know, this is the thing. We're being fed this. First of all, she looks like she's about 17 years old. I wonder, I'm going to send this over to you, Ryan. You might be able to throw her uh, face up on the thing. I'm sending this over to her on the side. There she is. So look at her. She's very young. She's pretty. Her name is Natalia. That's lovely. And what is her background? Does she have a significant background working in the military? No, she does not. She is the Director of Strategic Intelligence at Vertical Knowledge, which is a U.S. data company and technology company. Interesting. So she is a data person who was educated. Oh, oh, she was also the chief executive officer of the Kiev Post. So she was actually a propaganda person in Ukraine. And then she came and she's now the non-resident Russia fellow, even though she just advocates against Russian stuff, doesn't seem to have to care about that. And she has a master's in public policy from Harvard University's Kennedy School. Now, some people would say, oh, well, she went to Harvard. That's a really prestigious school. Or you could say, oh, it's the Kennedy School. It's where we go and indoctrinate people. And as uh, you guys should go back and listen to the unbelievable rantings of Mike Benz when he was on here, the, the pipeline from the Kennedy School into government cutouts is pretty significant. She was a student fellow at the Belfer Center for Science and International Affairs at the Kennedy School. I'm sure there's no USG money. I'm sure there's no intelligence agency cutouts involved in that. Her papers, by the way, written in the last little bit are pretty interesting. I like to see this kind of stuff. She's written, obviously, this time for the West to embrace Ukrainians' way of war. Uh, Ukraine sustained counteroffensive, denying Russian pro prolongation of the war. I think the Russians can prolong it as long as they want. They just don't leave, and they have the ability to not do so. Reframing U.S. policy debate on the quote-unquote long war in Ukraine. She just keeps kind of adapting. She's going on target Russians' capabilities, not its intent, okay? Uh, Putin on track to disappoint multiple competing factions in Russia. That was going back to 2022. She doesn't seem to be right, but that doesn't seem to stop them. Now, um, I do want to kind of talk about a little bit of where we're where we're putting our money, where what are we doing with this Ukrainian conflict? So there's a pretty good thing. We, we just saw a few minutes of Jesse Waters doing an outstanding job lambasting this. But l let's go to 60 Minutes. Let's see what these people are all about. Our uh, 60 Minutes video is video number three. Let's check out this video real quick, and then we'll do a quick reflection on it, and, uh, and then we'll pull up the article on there as well. So video number three, if you want to roll that, Ryan. Russia's invasion shrank Ukraine's economy by about a third. We were surprised to find that, to keep it afloat, the U.S. government is subsidizing small businesses, Super. like Tatiana Abramova's knitwear company. These are Ukrainian this, towns. Yeah. That's Kiev, I recognize. Yeah. You see, yeah. <laughs> Especially in the condition of war, we have to work. We have to pay taxes. We have to pay wage salary to our employees. We have to work. Don't stop. Why does that help Ukraine win the war? Because economy is the foundation of everything. 
American officials from USAID, the agency in charge of international development, helped Abramova find new customers overseas. In the midst of war, her company is supporting over 70 families. We realize that it's the aid from government, but it's the aid from the heart of every ordinary American person. How do you feel about that? Grateful. Great. In total, America's pumped nearly $25 billion of non-military aid into Ukraine's economy since the invasion began. And you can see it working at the bustling farmer's market on John McCain Street in central Kyiv. People of Ukraine, this is your moment. The late senator is revered in Ukraine because he pushed the US government to start sending arms to the country after Russia first invaded back in 2014. What? They've got a street called John McCain Street from the money that he voted over there. That's lovely to know. Not a big fan of John McCain, actually. Um, not to speak ill of the dead, but I'll tell you this. He spoke at my college graduation, which happened in 2005, even though it probably should have happened in 2004. It did not. And uh, I recall sitting in the bleachers there listening to John McCain drone on. And he gave probably the least inspiring political garbage speech. I think it was about the war in Iraq at the time. It had nothing to do with graduating from college. It certainly had nothing to do with anything that was relevant to me as a 22-year-old going out into the world. But he did speak. And I remember sitting in the bleachers next to my dad, who is a conservative guy, lifelong. And we both kind of looked at each other and we went, if this guy ever runs for president, we'll never vote for him. And we didn't. And, um, and he, so he actually lost votes sitting there in, in the, uh, the stadium, I guess, I think it was at a stadium in the University of Oklahoma, in Norman, Oklahoma. It can't happen. So they've got a John McCain street, so that's good. Uh, I'm going to pull up uh, topic 10, if you would, Ryan. So Breitbart is actually reporting that not only did we support all the, uh, the military thing, 43, $43 billion, and I think it's obviously way more than that, but that's what's being reported. $43 billion in military aid, but we've also thrown not 20 as, uh, as the CBS 60 News, 60 Minutes cycle reported, but $25 billion to keep their economy going. And remember, this is just coming from Americans hearts. And that woman is grateful that you're paying for her knitting business because she's supporting 70 families. And if she didn't support those 70 families, what would they do in the middle of a war-torn situation? Would they be fighting on the front? No, no, no. They have to make custom knitwear, designer sweaters, and cardigans. So that's good to know. This is what your tax dollars are doing. How in the world do we have politicians that are out there approving this kind of stuff? And when you bring them and ask them the questions, they they have no idea. So the fact that we're propping up small businesses in a city that is supposedly in the middle of a fight for its very survival, it makes it very suspect. It makes us question all the narratives. Um, I think I think Steve Friend and I had this little quick discussion this morning. And, and, and the problem with stuff like this is, and the problem with the government lying to you about what they're doing with the funds and lying to you about the fundamental purpose of all the bills and the, the spending that goes on, is that after 2020, after 2021, after the, the vaccine rollout and some of the other kind of wild things that have gone on, we're, we're in this strange world where people go, I don't trust the government. That seems reasonable. And therefore, everything that is being done 
by people that I didn't trust previously is a lie. That's not exactly the case. You don't just flip it on its head and go backwards on it. But that's how you get down the uh, the rabbit hole of a lot of these things that end up being what they would call conspiracy theories. They're just not efficient ways to believe because we're not skeptical of everything. The real answer is the government should be held to the same accountability, the, the skepticism that you do every other news story. So when we read a piece from something by the Institute for the Study of War, we should be saying, who is this person? Why are they trying to tell us this? What are they, what are they aiming to put forward? Not, oh, they come from this thing, they must be wrong. We need to know what it is that we're talking about, and we need to be skeptical about all the sources of information. The answer is not just believe the opposite of one side. That actually is a little bit weak for us. And uh, I'm going to tell you why that is, because we're going to get into some really interesting, bizarre stuff. If you, What I usually do when I prep for the show is I go on places like CNN, I go on MSNBC, I go look at the places that you don't want to see, and I watch. They actually change their, their homepages about every 45 minutes. You'll go in and you'll look. And the thing they'll be talking about last night, it was climate change. Last night, they were talking about El Nino. So we'll talk about that in a little bit because they think it's relevant. If that's what they're talking about, it's what we should be talking about. But then you look at it. What's the next thing they talk about? Oh, Trump is bad. And then after that, it's going to be, well, Hunter Biden is good. And he's suing Giuliani because Giuliani tried to hack his devices. When you follow down the, the, the logical rabbit hole that these things go down, um, that's that's what we end up seeing. So let's pull up topic number three real quick, if you would, Ryan. I want to uh, show this. This is this is literally what they showed right after climate change was this story about Cassidy Hutchinson. You guys remember her. She's the kind of shiny faced uh, white gal that supposedly worked as a low level Trump aide. And then she had all the goods on what happened inside the, uh, you know, on the day of January 6th. She could she could come and she testified in front of the J6 committee knowing almost nothing, being like a low-level staffer. And this is the thing that I found really interesting. So this is a piece, uh, this is a position piece, supposedly written as a uh, report. It's, it's Jake Tapper is the byline here. So whatever that tells you. So she just released a book. So they're going to promote it for free on CNN's website. So that's lovely. Thanks for that, CNN. It's called Enough, former White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson, a pantsuit aficionado, paints the closing days of the Trump White House as even more chaotic and lawless than she previously said in her shocking televised testimony, which by the way, was just a hundred percent weak. It was just weeks tea. She didn't know things. So she paints Donald Trump as lashing out unpredictably, making wild demands, even though she probably had limited access or minimal access to him at all. And some of the stuff that's really fun is that they throw in quotes and they attribute, these are, these are, um, hearsay. This is what we would call inadmissible evidence. So she quotes Mark Meadows in June of 2020, Cass, if I can get through this job and manage to keep Trump out of jail, I'll have done a good job. So, you know, how could you have CNN breathlessly covering this nonsense? This is a, a young person, a very politically uh, interested, a motivated person who saw that she wasn't going to get her bread buttered on the Republican side. So she turns around and she runs off to the Democrat side of the house and she just starts telling wild gossip. It's pretty incredible. Um, all this stuff is all just sort of sensationalism. There's nothing here of substance that I can see. Asking questions like, would you take a bullet for him of, of uh, rally goers? And someone asked her that apparently. She asked if it could be in the leg because she's trying to joke because she thinks it's crazy. <laughs> if you want to hear if it's crazy, talk to uh, talk to my boy, Ryan Matta. Ryan said he would take a bullet for Trump. Is that still on the, the table, Ryan? Wouldn't think twice about it. Wouldn't even think twice about it. Okay, I would. I would I would think twice and then I would not do it. I don't want to take a bullet for Trump. He's old. I got babies. But there are plenty of people in this country that would do that. I think there's a lot of people out there that have that sensation that he's such an important figure that they would do that. So the idea that she's out here lampooning it, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, this is the stuff they cover. This is what they spend their time on 
when they're not talking about climate sensationalism. They're not talking about did Project Veritas create Trump? We're going to talk about that in just a second. And then they're bad mouthing people like Matt Gates and Clarence Thomas. They tell you who they're scared of. They're scared of these people. And they tell you who they want you to focus on instead, which is people like Cassidy Hutchinson who's not a serious person, as far as I can tell. Uh, all that being said, so be it. We can't get too riled up. This is just the nature of the beast. I want to say thanks to my uh, sponsors here. We're kind of we're breaking these up and kind of moving them around so you guys don't have them all at one time. We're going to say thanks to uh, Catholic Vote real quick. So here is Catholic Vote's website right there, catholicvote.org. I'm looking at the loop for today. It leads off with HHS moves to erase mothers and fathers. This is a really worthwhile article. I recommend you guys go sign up for the loop. You just punch in your email address, hit loop me in, and they will in fact send you the loop, or you can go to their website, catholicvote.org, click on the loop. There's a lot of people that have been telling me on Twitter that this is a place that they absolutely love. Um, they love getting this information because it's really good and it's really presented in easy format. So today, literally, Catholic Vote is uh, breaking uh, information about the Biden administration, Health and Human Services Department, filing a unpublished regulatory proposal that would eliminate the words mother, father, paternity, his, her, and so on from child care related laws. Also talking about uh, Menendez lawyering up as you hear people like AOC saying that Bob Menendez from New Jersey should resign. And you'll be shocked to learn that he hired the same attorney that Hunter Biden has hired, this guy named Abe Lowell. So that's weird. Is there only one? Is there only one attorney that could do anything in that area? New Jersey, Delaware, et cetera. Is it, there's only one attorney that would help out uh, some of these folks? Kind of, kind of wild. Uh, there's a bill in Tennessee right now trying to end chemical abortions. If that's interesting to you, check it out. Texas Democrats blasting Biden. It's about time. There's no way that they're going to be able to run on the record of Biden. I actually saw this pivoting off this. I didn't put it on a, a topic level, but they, uh, this guy named Sink, you guys have seen him. He's the Young Turks. He's the fat guy in his 50s that bloviates on the Young Turks program. And they claim that they have a big viewing audience, but uh, nobody watches their live stream anymore. He has been all over Twitter in the last probably 24 hours just crying about how unelectable Biden is. I saw him saying things about the poll that we talked about the other day. And then on top of that, he was also saying if anybody has the delusion to think that if Biden and Trump were to sit in a head-to-head -head right now, that Biden would win, that they're out of their mind. Like the political left is running. They're running scared. So they're going to start lashing out and attacking people. And so that's where we're going to go. First one we're going to bring up is going to be this uh, thing. Did, uh, did Project Veritas, did it create the MAGA movement? Does that sound familiar to you guys? Would that make any bit of sense? Bring up topic number four right now. This is coming from MSNBC. Uh, this is a position piece. This is a, an opinion piece written by a guy named Robert Creamer. Can't make that one up, can you? Robert Creamer says, I saw firsthand how Project Veritas paved the way for MAGA. What? Paved the way for MAGA? Here we go. James O'Keefe's misrepresentation and hubris anticipated the Trump era. All right. Now, look, I, I know James O'Keefe. I've spent hours and hours sitting with the guy. I'm not a huge fan of him as a person, but his work is important. And so I can separate these two. I'm, I'm one of the people in the world that just goes like, let's take work for what it is. Let's take people for who they are. Is he narcissistic? 100%. Does he, uh, does he operate in a way that I think is not 100% uh, on the level? 100%. A lot of these things like that Project Veritas thing, uh, the, the quote unquote exposing of uh, the, what was it? Uh, the Pfizer guy. Like the the little um, effeminate dude that was sitting in the cafe on a mandate, you know, that was not the important piece that people acted like it was. Some of the important things that they've exposed have been really important. People like Aaron uh, Aaron Stevenson, people like Tara Rodas, showing that there was government sponsored, you know, child sex trafficking. That stuff is wild, and bringing those people forward is really really important. But they have to keep getting clicks, so some of the stuff they do is actually kind of you know weak. 
saying that somebody who is a director and not involved in any science at all somehow is going to be able to like out Pfizer for mutating the COVID vaccine, that's totally silly stuff, okay? And so there are definite there are definite points within this story that make sense. We should be fair on it when we look at it. Does it make any sense? But the idea that you're talking about Project Veritas was the reason that uh, that Trump was able to come to political power because he founded it in 2010 and he basically provided the model for Donald Trump to go forward. Pretty wild. Uh, this this whole article is actually really fun. He goes out and attacks the acorn sting that they did. Um, you know, whether you like it or not, whether you think that the the information that they brought forward in that acorn sting, it actually got a massive left wing political grift defunded. The donors ran away from it and it was no longer able to operate. I think that's a net win. Um, and interesting. Hannah Giles, who took over as the CEO over Project Veritas and ended up closing the doors, basically. If you don't, if you guys don't know, they actually shut it down. So they're basically a shadow staff only that's just handling a little bit of money and, and kind of shutting down because they can't operate without James O'Keefe, which doesn't surprise anybody. But the work that Hannah Giles and, uh, and James O'Keefe did getting rid of Acorn, regardless of how they did it, that's the way the left works. They're out there, they discredit, they run a misinformation or a disinformation or an accurate information campaign. It's sort of irrelevant. And all three of those things are happily used to shut down things that they don't like. And the fact that James O'Keefe was able to use it successfully against Acorn is actually really great. Um, they claim that, uh, you know, even though he did that, they had up the, uh, paying off the, one of the guys who was at Acorn $100,000. I think like many organizations, they'd rather spend the money than they would go through a protracted legal fight because Project Veritas basically spent all 13 years that it was functional in unbelievable protracted legal battles, including some of the unwarranted ones, like when the FBI came forward and raided their apartments, James's and some of the other undercover journalists, went after them for the First Amendment possibilities of them not being a journalist, which is a straight up talking point in this particular thing. So who is this guy, Robert Creamer? Because that's what we need to know. We need to know who these guys are. It's fun. Uh, he actually says it right here. He says, at the time, I was a consultant for the Democratic National Committee and worked for the Clinton campaign. So if you think that the Clinton campaign and the DNC are people that are reputable and you should be taking information from, then by all means, you could say that this guy has a point. Or you could realize that these are political talking points being marched out in their mouthpiece, which is known as MSNBC. And this guy is going to go do the thing that he's paid to do. This is what he is. He's a political activist and political activists and consultants. He worked for a, a firm called Democracy Partners. We've talked about how important language is. The fact that democracy is not a thing that is mentioned anywhere in our constitution. We have a republic. That's what the Federalists and the Anti-Federalist Papers were about. How, whether or not we should accept a republic to run this nation. But Democracy Partners which is code for something not democracy, not they want the tyranny of the majority. So they talk about how they were infiltrated. So he was infiltrated by Project Veritas operatives and he was really pissed about it. And that for some reason was enough for him to go. And so he writes this little hit piece. They're basically dancing on the grave of Project Veritas at this point. It's a political victory for them. They they talked about how he had sent in all the different undercover journalists and so on. And they, they go out there and they talk about uh, whether or not the infiltration of his little group was the most important uh, infiltration since Watergate. Maybe it was. I mean, the political, the political in, uh, instigations and the investigative journalists that went on with Project Veritas when they were at the the peak of what they were doing was really really good work, and uh, and that is what investigative journalists do. They go and infiltrate and they go and get information. This guy actually says it would be more accurate to say that they were in the business of political espionage. 
And I think that's kind of funny. So there's a thing called corporate espionage. Some of you guys will know about this. It's basically when your corporations will hire, uh, have somebody go on on their payroll, go work for another company and try to get secrets from them. But the, the goal of corporate espionage, the goal of any espionage is to benefit the host nation, to benefit the original employing company. So they're going to steal information for the sake of um, doing you know, the same work for less money. It's a, it's a cost-saving mechanism. Political espionage would be interesting if it was someone like what we saw in Watergate specifically, where you go and you steal information. What are the tactics? What are the strategies that are going on in this politically adverse organization? And can we use them to our advantage? Interestingly enough, very interestingly enough, what Project Veritas did was expose just what was happening. They didn't go out there and use it for their political favor. They didn't go out there and release hit ads that were going to be, you know, pro-Republican specifically. They just went and damaged things that were on the Democrat side. So that's literally what investigative journalists do. They go out there and they cut the legs off fake narratives. They go find the truth. They find out what's happening. And when they do so, um, if it's damaging to one side or the other, that's just the nature of journalism. That's the so-called holding the powerful to account, speaking truth to power idea. It's pretty silly. It's pretty funny that this is what they're, uh, they're going to be yelling about, but they do. Um, let's, let's move on to our next little article here, because like I said, you can always see who it is that they're scared of. They're scared of James O'Keefe with OMG. And that's fine. The, like I said, my personal feelings aside, I think the idea that you go out there and expose people is really important. He's doing some stuff in Hawaii right now. That doesn't seem bad. Um, topic number five, if you would, this is, this is something that came right out of there. This is from Joy Reed's readout blog, which apparently she has guest hosts write on her blog. So she doesn't even write her own. Joy Reed is one of the most untalented, unserious weirdos that I've ever seen in the political space. But here she is. Uh, she's got this guy named Jahan Jones writing. And they said, we are now living under the Gates Congress. There you go. There's a picture of uh, Matt Gates speaking in front of the empty rooms, as they often do. <laughs> we, are now, we are now living under the Gates Congress and it's utter, it's utter chaos. So I had the the, uh, the the fortune of of being in a couple of these places uh, where Matt Gates is speaking, and every time he gets into them, he seems like such a regular guy. He was on TimCast just before Garrett and I went out there, and he seems like a regular dude that means to do the right thing. He showed up for my friends, the Suspendables. Here they are. There's our badge. He showed up for the Suspendables, and he's doing the things that he claims he's going to do. He's trying to get down to um, a government shutdown so they will get down to one item voting when it comes to funding. This is what Congress should be doing, not these massive omnibus bills. He seems to be one of the few dudes that actually lives up to the hype, which is to say that they're actually fighting on our behalf. And of course, he's fighting an uphill battle against the entrenched people like Kevin McCarthy and what the sort of Republican establishment does. He's a, a you know a firebrand. You saw they attacked him previously about his dating record and so on. Uh, why? Because he's like a young, good-looking dude who's articulate and is willing to go out there. He's the only guy that I ever see in these hearings that we uh, see in the Judiciary Committee, where he actually has a plan of attack and he goes out there and he approaches it like someone who's trying to to prove a point. So America is now living under the Gates Congress. That is a House of Representatives bearing all the blemishes of Representative Matt Gates, the Florida Republican. In other words, it's a hub of chaos and ill-conceived ideas. You'll notice that they do a lot of slander. They'll do a lot of attacking, but they never do any points. They never say anything about how his ideas are ill-conceived. They won't attack that. Sure, Kevin McCarthy may technically have the shiny title, the one that presumes his authority over, but House Republicans are fighting each other of how to fund the government. Matt Gates has been cracking the whip on McCarthy. That's what he said he would do. That was part of the compromise. Do you guys remember the speaker contest when they were going and they had multiple votes and there were some holdouts and Matt Gates was sort of leading the charge of people that said, look, this is what we want. And if you don't do it, we're going to get rid of you. That's literally what his constituents expect from him. 
The guy's doing what he was elected to do. Why in the actual world would that be a problem? Uh, the result. <laughs> they, I like how they throw this little uh, attack at him. Uh, more, There's more rancor in the GOP ranks, courtesy of Representative Florida Man. When you take a title on yourself like we have, like recovering FBI agent or suspendable, and then this kind of organization like MSNBC or the New York Times decides to throw it back at you, that's actually a badge of honor. They're acknowledging that they have no sense of humor. When he calls himself Florida Man, which many of you will know comes from the uh, the the headlines. Florida man does fill in the blank crazy thing. Florida man eats alligator and says it's his new wife. Florida man eats cupcakes naked in the Ever- Everglades swamps. Whatever Florida man is doing, Florida man is like sort of the example of of crazy things that go on. Matt Gates has taken that thing as a badge of honor, as sort of a silly, self-deprecating humor. A person who doesn't take himself too seriously but wants to do a serious job. That's a suspendable to us. Well, actually, we're gonna mail him one of our our pins. Garrett, I see you're out there in the chat. Uh, can we can we agree on that? Can we agree that we're going to, um, can we send Matt Gates a suspendables pin? I think he might appreciate that. He's definitely one of us. Anyway, representative Florida man is a problem. That's the sort of attack they're going to do. And so, you know, we've got him out there. He's calling uh, for a ru- an impeachment inquiry, which they called rushed. He says, I rise today to serve notice, Mr. Speaker. You're out of compliance with the agreement. This is literally why we put him there. This is literally the, the agreement that he was supposed to hold a powerful person, Kevin McCarthy, a guy who's part of the establishment, who seems pretty slimy. To those of us who are watching, many of us are pissed off about what he's been doing. He's been allowing all the things he said he wouldn't do. He's supposed to release all the J6 footage. They're supposed to no, do no more omnibus. And, and instead of doing an omnibus, what they're trying to do is called a continuing resolution. So for those of you who don't know how the government gets funded, it either gets funded in these omnibus bills where they basically put every single budget for every single department into them and they pass them without reading it. That's essentially what happens. Or... They do individual line item spending bills where they say, we want to fund the DOJ to this level. We want to send uh, commerce this level. We want to send the EPA to this level. All the different departments, all the different individual things could be funded individually. And then lastly, they do this thing where they just, which is what they love to do. It's called a CR or a continuing resolution. And the continuing resolution is, let's just keep everything the way it was and do nothing. Because as I was discussing, I actually got into a Twitter space last night with, um, what was his name? Uh, Santos, Uh, George Santos. Yeah, Kyle, I actually said this. I was hoping you're going to go over and say the exact same thing I covered in my stream this morning. Go on that same rant. So I was talking to George Santos last night. He came into a Twitter space, which is kind of amazing that we have political access to to people that are members of Congress. And he waited his turn to speak, praised me, which was very thoughtful and nice. And as we've covered on the show, I think the uh, the indictments against Santos are really weak tea. It's something the DOJ would never normally touch, but politically activated. So there he is, George Santos. And I told him, Congress has kicked the ball down the road for so long. They're so used to not doing their damn job. They love to farm it out. And one of the dangers is, is that they give the administrative agencies, we just heard about it in the loop, they're giving administrative agencies the ability to legislate. They've abandoned their jobs since at least the 1940s and probably, probably earlier than that because it's really, really hard to legislate. That's what governing is. As we've talked about on this program, Article 1 is the establishment of the Congress and the authorities of the Congress. If you don't want to do your job, then don't run for freaking Congress. If you want to just hold hearings and BS, then do that. But if you want to write laws or if you want to uh, deliver you know, deliver basically the, the debates that need to have over funding and individually fund departments based on what you think should happen, then do your freaking job. And they don't do it. They would rather kick it down the curb. And so a continuing resolution is the way they do that. What it means is leave funding levels as they were last year, and let's just hang on. Let's hold what we got. 
They say it at airborne school if you go and jump out of planes with the Army. Hold what you got. That just means hold on to your parachute and hit the ground. That's what they want to do. They don't want to get involved in the difficult debate and the process of moving forward. Hey, should we increase this amount of money on this particular program? Should we cut back on some of these things? And the fun thing is, and we all saw this in 2020, is that when they kept the quote-unquote non-essential personnel home, which is what happens when they don't fund the government, which is hopefully what we're getting to, the government still works just fine, okay? The critical infrastructure, the critical needs are still required to show up for work. And anybody that is non-critical in the federal government, the question you should have for your representatives is why the hell do they exist in the first place? Why do we allow these people to continue? And the reason is, is because it's considered a federal jobs program. God forbid, it's kind of like the people that pump gas in New Jersey and Oregon. When you ask them, and I've said this before on this program, when you ask them, why are you pumping my gas when I can pump my gas? I pay the same amount of money and I don't need you. And the answer is because people need jobs. They need jobs because jobs. That's a terrible answer. It's called make work or uh, busy work if you're a kid. And when we have a government that is made up of primarily people who are busy work employees, they move the paper from here to here because the paper needs to go from here to here. It's time for the tea to go in the harbor. We are paying significant amounts of taxes for people who just want to have a job for the sake of having a job. This is unacceptable. If you think that you work very hard every day at your job, whether you're driving a truck or you're serving food at a restaurant or you're running a small business of some kind, and you're out there paying these people salaries to basically sit around Shoot, man, I'm going to get into this, and this gets me hot. The FBI has a, a, a mail room on the top of the, of the Washington field office. There were three employees there. They're all in their 50s. Two of them are black women. One's a black man. They all wear lab coats. No explanation for why they need a lab coat, but they all wear them. And they all don't work. They don't do any work, okay? They sit there. I used to call it the nail room because the dude would be sitting back with his feet up on the the table and the women would be painting their nails, which were like illogically long. They'd be like two inches long and they weren't able to even pick up the freaking papers that they were supposed to do. And you'd go in there and you'd be like, hey, can I get a FedEx envelope? I have to send evidence across the country because we're an investigative agency and somebody has asked for this thing. And so I'm going to send it there. And they would go like, uh... Eh, They'd shrug. They don't even want to know. Or they'd point. It's over there. It's in that stack. They don't want to do it. The nail room didn't want to do any work. They got paid every single day, but here's the deal. They showed up on time and they never went home early. If you show up on time and you never go home early, you can get paid for 35 years as a federal employee who's never done anything of value for the American people. And you get a pension and you get a retirement party and you suck at life. You just are one of these people that exists simply because they need people to exist. And then guess what? Then they do one of these uh, resolutions and it doesn't pass. They don't have a CR and they and they shut down the government and all the non-essentials stay home. There's a couple things that happen. Number one, traffic around Washington, D.C. becomes very tolerable, it turns out. And I can drive into work on time. And number two, nobody cares. Nothing happens that's different. And then they set up a food pantry in the bottom of the field office where I worked at. These are government employees making anywhere from $60,000 to $175,000 a year. It's the whole range. The 175 is the top of the GS scale. These people making money for 20, 30 years, and they don't have a single penny to their name. You think that's not a national security concern? You think the fact that, (laughs) I've totally gotten off topic here, but you think the fact that our federal government has people that are going paycheck to paycheck and have a top secret clearance, but I went a year without a paycheck and I still fed my kids because I put money away because I know that that's an important part of national security. Should that even be part of the discussion going on there? We have people that can't pay their bills, even though they get paid really, really well. They have no idea how to use money and they have a top secret clearance. And by the way, those are the kind of employees that get recruited by the by the Chinese and the others. 
We had a case with the State Department. It was a low-level secretary that basically said, I, I'm a single mom. I've got this kid. He's HIV positive. They sent him to China. He was out there having sex with rando people, spreading HIV, which is a felony that could have landed him in jail forever. And the Chinese government helped him out, sent him back home. And then she was working for them. And she was giving State Department secrets out with a top secret clearance because she couldn't afford her life. And she couldn't afford a good lawyer. She has an idiot son. Like these are all the compromise positions. This is what it looks like when you have a compromised federal government and, and it's compromised, not because of people at the top, although that's part of it. It's also compromised because people can't figure out how to deal with money. They don't know how to deal with the simple things that you guys deal with every single day. They're maxed out on credit cards. They're living in stupidly expensive places because our federal government is based in Washington, D.C. I've gone totally far afield, but we're going to we're going to tack back towards the, the center here. Let's talk about Clarence Thomas, because they've also highlighted that Clarence Thomas is a problem. So Matt Gates is the problem because he wants to shut down the government. Thank God we should. Let's do it and just see what happens. None of you will notice it. I promise you, none of you will notice it. And if they don't pay a couple of FBI agents or some DEA agents, or they don't pay any executives for the Commerce Department for a while, who cares? And meanwhile, they want to go after Clarence Thomas. So here you go. This is ProPublica doing a hit piece on Clarence Thomas. You guys can see this right here. It's their court section. It says, Clarence Thomas secretly participated in a Coke Network donor event. No, events. Sorry, it's plural. This is coming out from Joshua Kaplan, Justin Elliott, and Alex Majerski. So I want you to look at this photo right now. Does that look like a secret to you? There's one, two, three people that we don't know in the photograph. It is a photograph that he's not the one taking. So we know he's not going to be in charge of what happens with the photograph. This is Clarence Thomas secretly participating in a Coke Network donor event, apparently. So that headline is pretty splashy. And it sounds like they're talking about the right wing boogeyman, the Coke Network. Uh, the Koch brothers obviously were the uh, billionaires, libertarians that have been called out for all the bad things. They're like the, uh, they're the, the George Soros family. Um, when you come out on the political right. So that's what they talk about. And here's what it comes down to. They say that in January of 2018, some private jets landed in Palm Springs. They were some of the richest people in the country. They had an annual winter donor event for the Coke Network, which was organized by Charles and David Koch. And we have this weekend-long strategizing, relaxing the California sun, high-dollar fundraising event for their uh, various different groups. Koch brothers have a couple things like Americans for Prosperity and so on. And so Clarence Thomas landed in a Gulfstream G200 jet. It wasn't the Koch brothers jet. Nobody knows who it was because he didn't disclose it as a gift. And he went out there and he spoke. And here's the answer to it, because they basically said because he's been to two donor events in the last dozen years that somehow he's now bought and paid for. And so that's the allegation they're going to make. They're not even actually saying it. They just say that he it, it's troubling, right? Oh, it throws some doubt on who he is and whether he can be uh, fair and impartial. I don't see them doing these investigations into people on the political left. Are we going to find out where Sonia, um, where uh, Sotomayor is going and landing? Are we going to find out where Ruth Bader Ginsburg was getting paid and like what kind of donor events she was showing up to and who was buying her dinner and taking her out? Probably not. They wouldn't be interested in that. I know Ruth's no longer with us, but so be it. So this is the... Uh, this is the statement that was given by the Koch family. It says, all of the sitting justices and many who came before them have contributed to the national dialogue in speeches, book tours, and social gatherings. Our events are no different. To claim otherwise is false. The end. That's it. That's it. It's utterly true. You're going to say, if you're going to be upset about what's going on with this guy, are you going after everybody else? No, you're not. They all go on book tours. They all go on speaking events. Is anyone going to go out there and say that there's a problem that uh, Joe Biden is worth tens of millions of dollars for the crappy speeches that he's been given? He can barely string a sentence together. And the guy made tons of money doing it. What about Bill Clinton? What about Hillary Clinton? What about the uh, the whole Clinton, you know, foundation where they would go out there and they would get millions of dollars in speaking fees 
Definitely not for political access. So the idea that Clarence Thomas went and spoke to a group two times called Stand Together, which is the Koch Network group, the fact that he spoke two times in the last couple of years. By the way, they kind of like thread that down at the bottom of the page. It's once again, it's one of these like very dishonest reportings where they just sit down there, but they're telling you who they're scared of. They're scared of Clarence Thomas. And why not? Because the man is capable, he's intelligent, and he's probably the most conservative justice. And in the meantime, they're also going to tell you that you're a racist if you love Clarence Thomas, because that's how logical it is. But the idea that we're going to go after the Koch brothers as the boogeyman, it's for me in the same way, it's like when you say everything is Soros back, it almost has the same ring to it. It doesn't mean that Soros doesn't do bad things. It doesn't mean the Koch brothers don't do things that are conservative that the political left hates. It just means, I mean, really... You're just, you're triggering all the stupidity instincts. You're getting people to have an emotional reaction. They're not even going to read the story. And the story is very, very light. They do have some really weird stuff here about uh, Clarence Thomas going to Bohemian Grove, which makes me uh, go down the Alex Jones rabbit hole. And I'm going to stay out of that for right now. But I will do some reading on that because that sounds pretty interesting. Apparently he knows them for a while. Um, let's do a quick thank you real quick to our sponsor at uh, Patriot Cooler. Here's mine, right? Sporting it right now. It's got some water in there. It's got the uh, Garrett O'Boyle, the uh, Suspendables Duress American holographic flag. You guys can buy these on the website as well, the uh, the Dash Suspendables. But Patriot Coolers, there's mine. Uh, I've got another one actually on the table too. This is my old one. I just keep them on here. PatriotCoolers.com, PatriotCoolers.com, promo code Kyle. I bet we could splash that on the screen. There it is. Promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. Check them out. See what they've got going on. They've got some great artwork. They've got a great website. It's very easy to use and an easy to put in promo code. K-Y-L-E. You can actually click through the link in our show description. You don't even have to populate or remember my, my name, even though it's four easy letters, K-Y-L-E. And you can get that preloaded and anything you see in there is going to get you 10% off. If you spend 50 bucks or more, you'll get free shipping. So that's a good deal. Uh, we've been sharing them. I've been carrying these things everywhere. I literally, like it's one of my 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 required things. It was on the table with me when I was doing TimCast up in, um, up in West Virginia, sitting right next to Garrett. It's like this, it goes wherever I go. People see it on the planes. Uh, I panic if I look down and I can't see it. It's not in the little cup holder on the side of my backpack. It's usually because I stuff it inside of my uh, my bag when I'm traveling so they don't fall out because I, 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 I've I never lost this thing. I've had this thing since 2017. This thing's been around for a long time. There it is. That's my buddy's uh, emblem. I got told that this was a white supremacy emblem, actually, of all things. Go figure. So I, I grabbed a whole bunch of video clips here. We're going to talk about climate change. Let's wrap this thing. Let's bring this sucker home with the climate change insanity. We got plenty of time to do so. Let's start off with video number one, Ryan. This is the WHO director general, whose name is impronounceable to those of us who don't speak whatever the hell language it is. And let's get started about how scary climate change is for you, for you, the listener. Let's uh, let's get this going. Let's do video one. The climate crisis is now one of the major factors determining human health outcomes. El Nino, which has now been announced by the World Meteorological Organization, together with global warming, is already driving record temperatures. On Monday, the world recorded its hottest day on record. Over the coming months, we expect a range of extreme weather events, including droughts, floods, hurricanes, and heat waves, all of which harm human health. Did he say heat waves or hate waves? It could be a hate crime to have so much heat, I think. I think that's possible. So if you listen to the words that he's throwing out there, he just tosses these things out and he was like, oh, like, oh, we got uh, global warming, which is the old term for climate change, which is the new term for weather that you experience because 
it's fall and we're doing pumpkin spice everything. It's it's so illogical that you would sit there and listen to it. Look, they showed like some shiny music. This was like a, a Hollywood trailer style music. They had a lightning bolt. That's real scary. Lightning is the scariest thing. And and what is it that really kills people? Is it methane? Is it uh, is it cow farts? Is it those things? Let's do the Bill Gates clip. We got clip number five here. This is Bill Gates. He wants to do zero emissions from farm animals, right? I mean, they're telling you right up front they want to do something that's crazy. And whenever someone tells you about a zero tolerance policy, we're going to listen to the end of it. I'm going to comment on zero tolerance and what that means for you. But let's do let's do Bill Gates on video number five real quick. One crucial part is agriculture. And one thing you said you were particularly surprised by was how great a problem bovine flatulence is. Do you want to explain what that is and why it's a problem? Yeah, so the... Animals that can eat grass have very unusual stomachs that have these uh, bacteria that are methanogenic in there. And so they leak uh, natural gas, both out the front and the back. Uh, And so people have said, well, let's change the hay or throw some things in there. Uh, And it's been nobody knows how to get rid of no that, how to get cows to stop farting. Exactly. Our burping. Uh, <laughs> and so there is artificial meat, but that's at a very early stage. But that's Look, another guys, big there source is, of there is artificial greenhouse meat. gas emission. So, you know, I'm just trying to make sure that the people who acknowledge the problem, which I think is fantastic, that they understand the breadth of innovation required before you can get anywhere near to what we have to do, which is zero. If it was a 50% reduction, then you could ignore, okay, leave the cows alone. Uh, uh, but because we're trying to avoid the temperature continuing to go up, you do need to go to zero. Otherwise, you're, you're continuing to have temperature increase. Okay, we can't have temperature increase. I see this. Truth Puppet dropping a $100 rumble rant to tell us when I was a kid in New York, my teacher said there would be an ice age by 2020, you know, because my parents were the worst. We're still waiting, right? So some of you guys remember this. This is this is the ongoing um, manipulation, the the mutagenesis of of the climate crisis. It started off with uh, the 1960s. They were talking about a pending famine. The, the famine was coming. Disruptive technologies allowed us to be able to farm to the level that we're not having that famine. Then there was going to be ice ages coming up in the 70s. They were going to have those things. In the 80s and the 90s, we had a hole in the ozone. We were all going to die because acid rain was going to kill us and burn our skin off. And we were all going to die from the UV rays that were penetrating the earth. That, that uh, like, you you guys remember uh, the movie from it was Star Wars. They had like that that shield that went around the Death Star and there was a hole in it. And that was the ozone hole. And then it was slowly getting bigger to the point where all the X-Wing fighters could come in and kill us. We were all going to die from the UV rays. They were going to burn our skin off and the world was going to be too bad. But also an ice age, but also UV rays, but also an ice age was coming. So we had that. And now you got Bill Gates telling you that we need to get to zero emissions from cows. Right. And so everybody jokes about this. We've heard AOC say it. We've heard Bill Gates say it. We've seen these talking faces that get out there and talk about how methanogenic uh, bacteria inside the gut of a cow is going to be the real thing that's driving the change. Never mind the fact that third world industry is ongoing and continues to pollute at an incredible rate, way higher than anything that happens in the United States. But what is he really saying? He dropped some little interesting little nuggets in there. He talked about artificial meats coming, which he owns a big company that handles that. And, and makes artificial meat. Hard pass on that, by the way. As my buddy uh, Charlie Ray likes to say, I'll give a shameless shout out to my buddy from Long Island. Uh, Charlie Ray likes to say that what's for dinner, anything with a mother that bleeds. 
That is a very insensitive way of saying something. He said, my dinner has a name and a face. I've also heard him say that. It's very triggering if you go into a Whole Foods and say that, folks, but it's very funny. This is the kind of attitude that we must have towards this sort of idea of zero emissions. Anytime someone says zero, it equals tyranny. Put it in your head, okay? Zero COVID. We're going to burn you into your houses. We're going to like weld the door shut like they did in China and you can't come out. We're going to stop transmission of this disease by stopping your movement altogether. We're going to stop you from uh, encouraging farmers that are going to be dealing with uh, cows and farting. How are we going to do that? How are we going to stop the methane production? We're going to stop cows altogether. How many beef farmers would go out of business? How many people in America are ready to go beefless? And what's also interesting is they've done some studies recently. The people that are eating the most beef in this country are dudes that look like me. They are bearded white males who have jobs, who work for a living, who have families and are putting meat on the table. You know what my favorite thing to do is? I like watching my son who's two years old destroy a steak. He will eat all of my steak if I give it to him. It's actually sort of incredible. Why? Because children need the protein because children know what tastes good and it's animals. They're delicious. There was this guy back in the day at the beginning of the uh, that was the beginning of the internet, the beginning of the internet meme culture. And he said, for every animal you don't eat, I'm going to eat two of them. And then he had these shirts of him like eating endangered species. That was like a burger with like a toucan on it or a dodo bird or whatever. Silly, but pushing the point. You have to push back against these people because they want to control you. And interestingly enough, we're not promoting any political candidates, but I like what this guy has to say on this topic in particular. Let's do video number two. We're going to end it right around the uh, 117, 120 mark, Ryan. Let's play uh, Vivek Ramaswamy answering this question. He's very, very good at coming head on on mainstream media productions and just debunking climate nonsense. He does it really, really well. Let's play video number two. You said 117? Yeah, stops about a minute, minute 17, minute 20. The climate change policies we have been adopted, we have adopted in this country, have been more harmful and led to more deaths, both in the United States and worldwide, than climate change itself. It is a hard fact, Lindsay, that there's a 98% reduction in the climate disaster-related death rate over the last century because of more, not less use of fossil fuels. Eight times as many people still die today of cold temperatures rather than warm ones. The right answer to all temperature-related deaths is more plentiful and abundant access to fossil fuels. The reason I called the climate change agenda a hoax is actually that it has very little, if anything, to do with climate change at all. And the way I can prove that to you is that the same people who oppose carbon emissions in the United States are perfectly fine shifting those same carbon emissions to places like China, where methane leakage, and methane's even worse for global warming than carbon dioxide, where methane leakage is worse in places like China. The same people who are opposed to fossil fuels are also opposed to nuclear energy, the greatest form of carbon-free energy production known to man, which I support, which would also be my answer to that question. I'm the strongest and fiercest advocate for nuclear energy in either political party. But the reason... There it is. So nuclear energy is the answer, but they don't like it because environmentalists are not logical thinkers. They can't they can't get their brain around the two ideas. I'm going to run and digest the political narrative and nuclear energy is bad, even though it's the most clean and efficient and capable and self-sustaining group. Like it's it, it's totally illogical, but this is the world they function in. I always say that a, a political leftist is someone who wakes up every day with a migraine and the migraine's name is cognitive dissonance. It's ideas that don't agree with each other that sit in their head. If you're a socialist, you have the same problem. You, you you think that you own your own thing. You think those socialists we talked about the other day um, with uh, Carlin, you think those socialists are giving the book sale dollars away or are they using them for running their 
expensive hybrids that are also not eco-friendly. The, the fact is, is they can't get themselves together to have a cognitive coherent, what is the word for it? Um, it it's an ideology. It's a religion, which we've said here before as well. It's a religious idea, but they don't have to agree with each other. Here's something really interesting. So my Patriot cooler right here is a double-walled steel vacuum-sealed tumbler, right? That's how it locks out heat and cold. That's why there's ice in here from last night. There's literally... There's, there's ice in here from last night. Why? Because it's it's isolated from the outside environment. It is a process that cannot be done in the United States. You can't make these in the US. Some of you guys have said, oh, like they're not made in America. Yeah, they're not allowed to make them in America because our EPA has actually outlawed the process of creating that device, that steel thing that American steel could make. You can't do it here. Why? Because we outsource it to China because we have no problem with the third world getting engaged in all the ugly, dirty, gross things that we need for our life to run. In the same way that we're more than happy to have the Middle East be the ones that are grabbing oil and gas, because at least it's not happening here. And that's why we shut down American energy independence, which Trump was actually really good at. It was one of the good things that you can say that Trump like nailed right up front. They started drilling. They started doing uh, energy independence to the point where the U.S. was actually exporting more than they were than we had to import. So we actually had a net gain on the uh, world trade stage when it comes to oil and gas and the things that actually make life good. Pretty much all these people that are out there that are anti you know anti climate change and are worried about this kind of stuff. They also are running around wearing like North Face, which is made from petroleum products, and plastics, which is made from petroleum products, and cars right? That are made from cobalt that are mined by dudes with their fingers in the third world. Like everything they do is designed in a place that they would disagree with. It's all, it's all just such a bizarre and silly, pathetic hoax. If you need one more nail in the coffin on this, you guys, you probably have seen this, but uh, for those of you who have not been aware, I just want you to know this guy who is in the middle of a fight for his very survival, in addition to making cardigans in small businesses in Ukraine, is also very, very, very worried about the evils of climate change. He took his time at the UN, which is a disaster, you know, political theater. And he goes out there and this guy, Zelensky, is going to go tell us what we can do um, and where we're very bad. We need to fix the climate emergency so that after Ukraine wins or loses the war, then there's a lovely place for them to be able to rebuild their country. And let's do video number four, Zelensky. And we're going to start wrapping this thing up because uh, this is about all I can handle when it comes to pumpkin spice, everything in this new fall season. Let's do video four. Even though humanity is failing on its climate policy objectives, this means that extreme weather will still impact the normal global life and some evil state will also weaponize its outcomes. And when people in the streets of New York and other cities of the world went out on climate protest. We all have seen them. And when people in Morocco and Libya and other countries die as a result of natural disasters, and when islands and countries disappear underwater, and when tornadoes and deserts are spreading into, into new territories, and when all of this is happening, one unnatural disaster in Moscow decided to launch a big war and kill tens of thousands of people. We have to stop it. We must act united to defeat the aggressor and focus all our capabilities and energy on addressing these challenges. As nukes are restrained, likewise the aggressor must be restrained 
and all its tools and methods of war. Each war now can become final, but it takes our unity to make sure that aggression will not break in again. And it is not a dialogue between the so-called great powers somewhere behind the closed doors that can guarantee us all the new wars era, but open war of all nations for peace. Just give that guy all of your money, please, people. What I would like you to do is go to your paycheck, look at it, take it, multiply it by 0.33. That's going to be one third of your salary and just write a check to Ukraine Climate Relief Fund and just send it directly care of Zelensky and make sure that we are just stopping that war by continuing the war, by keeping the war going because Russia is bad. Okay. And also it's their fault because I don't know, Russia produces a lot of oil and gas. There's so much more we could go on this. Throw up a uh, topic number seven if we can as we wrap this thing up. This is what this is what led me to this nonsense that made me realize that we are dealing with pumpkin spice everything. It must be fall because El Nino winter is coming. And so they talked about this. They, they go back and forth. Like, folks, this is what the, the planet does. Like, there's always a balance. Like, there's always been a balance. Since I was a little kid, there was a balance. <laughs> he talks about, they talk about the three phases of the El Nino El Nino Southern Oscillation, which tracks water changes around the equatorial Pacific and has rippling effects on weather patterns around the globe. That's not climate change, people, although they did show you a really snowy thing. They talked about how La Nina, you know, La Nina was really bad because uh, it kept uh, the South dry and there wasn't much needed snow. And so there wasn't enough snow. And so then we were all going to be hungry and we weren't going to have enough water. So that was a big problem. But now it's uh, El Nino and El Nino has too much water because there's too much water and there's not enough water. Uh, That's called the balance. That's the yin and the yang. That is the way that the brilliance of this planet works. God's creation has a plan. Whether we like it or not is irrelevant. It even goes back to the Bible. There were seven fat years and seven lean years. There are cycles of faith things that mean more and less water. There is more and less heat. People die from cold. If we have more greenhouse gases, which we are not even close to the peak of, it's fine. In the meantime, you still got people like my little brother who I love to pieces, but he told me that I personally must be concerned about global warming, which is now called climate change, which we are now going to call pumpkin spice everything. We are just going to, we're just going to latte these people. Just tell them to go to Starbucks and stop worrying. That's what they're going to do anyway. Stop the virtue signaling with people like us because we just don't care. I can't care about it any less. Okay, Ryan, you've done a great job uh, keeping track of my scatterbrain today. We really appreciate it. Folks, you've been listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, which is streamed live from Liberty Hill, Texas, every weekday at 0930 Eastern Time. That's 830 here in Texas, America. If you liked what you heard, if you liked what we were getting involved in, please go and give us a thumbs up on Rumble. If you're watching us on YouTube, you could do the same thing. Make sure that the uh, thumb is green and is in the up position, and we do really appreciate that. You can see we're tracking new followers, jumping on the channel. Some of you guys come, some of you jump. I actually, we lost a follower. We had somebody leave us a zero-star review or a one-star review saying they didn't want to listen to Trump bashing. Hey, we just, I just call it how I see it. Trump's not an idol to me. He's not impervious to attacks. We're going to just say things fairly. I still think Trump runs away with it when it comes to the Democratic primary or the uh, Republican primary rather. But uh, if you want to hear someone just fluff a guy who used to be the president, you're looking at the wrong guy because that's not what we do. Anyway, we always have a lively discussion. If you're not watching us on Rumble, rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. You are missing out on the bumping live chat, which I saw all of you guys going after it. I want to say a big thanks to Eric Jason, our moderator out there, who is there every day, making sure that we open up and close up shop in a good way. Thanks so much, Eric. We do appreciate you, buddy. And if you guys leave us a five-star review on Apple, then you can have yours read right up here. 
Let's see here. You want to throw up our review? There it is. It's come from Dan in the Can. Dan, what a winning name, Dan in the Can. It says, truth, justice, and the American way. I remember that. That was the old Superman game, right? I look forward to Kyle's podcast daily. It's refreshing to hear a true believer in freedoms and civil liberties, fighting the fight against the ever-growing tyranny and the blatant corruption of the establishment and the administrative state. Well, we do our best. Those of us who believe in the founding principles of this country and still believe in the greatness of this country can and should represent and would be remiss not to heed Kyle's advice and fight for what we believe in. If you love America... You got to fight for America. You got to live in the America you want to live in, folks. And that means go out and meet your neighbors the way we used to. Get out and know who's on the battlefield here because we are all engaged in an information war. If you're not armed, you're going out there without a weapon. That's a bad choice. So we try to give you a few of them. We do really appreciate it. And this podcast continues to grow because folks like you are out there sharing it. You're sharing it on Facebook, which we broadcast live on and exactly zero people watch. I cannot imagine why that is the case. <laughs> I don't even know why we're on Facebook. We're, we're wherever you want us to be. So you can find us there on Facebook, on Rumble, on Twitter, and on YouTube. But mostly we are here on this Rumble channel where you guys have been uh, checking us out. We do appreciate it. Thanks for Ryan Matta. Check out his, a uh, there he is right up there. Look at that. Boom. Ryan Matta. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Matta Media. M-A-T-T-A is how you spell Matta. You can check out his show at 2 p.m. on LFA TV, which is here on Rumble as well. Folks, we will see you again tomorrow. And we've got some pretty interesting stuff brewing as far as... Uh, as far as some good interviews, we're going to be interviewing a congresswoman later on, probably say that on Thursday. And if you guys are watching the Emerald Robinson show, I'll be doing that later on today. So you can check me out there, too. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin show streamed live Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter and True Social at Kyle Serafin.